Welcome to The Brew, a podcast series which deep dives into trending topics about business and culture. Now sit back and join in on the conversation over a cup of freshly brewed coffee. Welcome to The Brew. I'm today's host, Nikhil Merodra, and today I'm joined by a special guest, Jonathan Javier, CEO of OneSulting, probably one of the most influential people on LinkedIn right now, as well as my co-founder and managing partner, Luis Macedo. And unfortunately, our other co-founder, Val, couldn't be here today, had some car trouble, but he will be in the chat. So today's an exciting day. We got Jonathan, for one thing, on the show. Love the guy. Um, We've had him. This is a follow up episode. We've had him on the show earlier in January, and we talked a lot about OneSulting and how it came to be and what its mission is but since then since january now it's october almost november so much has happened with covid19 and the pandemic and jonathan's company has grown a lot and he's taken um he's taken one thing on full time but so have luis and i we and as well as val we've all left our jobs during the pandemic and um that's what we really want to focus on today but to get started, we do have a very special announcement. As you may have seen in the pre-roll, our logo looks a little bit different. We now have a new website and we are officially launching our new platform today, thebrew.tv. And what this is, it's the brew is more than just a podcast now. It is we've expanded it into this grand community platform for collaboration amongst everyone. And this is where we want everyone to come in and share their stories whether it be in like our your failure story or in the areas of professional development or mental health amongst other categories that will be rolling out as time goes on so definitely check it out we're super excited we've been working very hard on this and this is I would consider it phase one of our rebranding we we have a lot going on as a company right now and after this, we're going to see a lot more from Free Logic coming up. So, Luis, anything to add to that? Yeah, exciting times. I mean, I, uh, we both kind of mentioned to each other before the podcast started. We had a little moment together, and we were just like, we're nervous. Like, it's like, it was like yeah. a very, like, it's, especially, especially for you. Like, I'm nervous, but I can't imagine. Like, you very much, like, put blood, sweat, and tears behind the website, and now you're launching this into uh, into the old interwebs. So it's all hitting right now. Like, yeah, it's, it's, no, it's, it's were, all happening no right emotions. now. <laughs> it's, yeah, all the <laughs> emotions are all happening. Like all the sleep uh, sleepless nights of yeah. uh, two weeks of staying up until uh, two in the morning working on stuff. Yeah, I think my mom and dad are watching, and now now you guys know why. <laughs> yeah, um, please do do Nikhil and, and the team a huge favor. Um, if you can um, visit thebrew.tv. Um, check it out. Just look at the website. Um, if you're interested in keeping up with us, subscribe to the newsletter because we're going to also do a newsletter. It's a, like, like Nikhil said, we're doing a whole platform thing. It's not just, um, the podcast. It's a website. It's a community. It's a newsletter. Um, we're going to be sending out updates, um, fairly, um, often as far as that goes. We're still trying to work out the, uh, the schedule there, but it's exciting times to say the least. And, and to your point, um, now that we've spent some sleepless nights working on the brew, we have to now spend some sleepless <laughs> nights working on uh, Free Logic's actual rebranding. So that's going to be the fun one. Yeah, 
All right. Well, definitely check that out. But let's let's get this started. So, Jonathan, welcome back, man. Um, to nice to here. meet you, man. Excited <laughs> to be here. I'm yeah. so happy. You know, the last time I was here, it was literally, and I thought it was two years ago, but it was last. It was this year. It was January. So this is the last time I was here at Riverside. So, yeah, I was excited to be here. This year seems like it's as long as what two or three years should be. Mm-hmm. So I don't blame you for thinking it was two years ago. Exactly. <laughs> That's how I was like, man. Dude, am I getting forgetful? getting old yeah no we were all literally arguing whether like <laughs> did, did jonathan come back like last year or was it a few months ago but yeah um i i'm very sure a lot of people watching right now know who you are but for those who don't know who you are for those on twitch and for those who didn't see the first episode why don't you give a quick introduction of who you are what you're doing and what one salting is yeah first off thanks so much for having me again really appreciate it Number one, I'm a huge supporter of Free Logic, so that is the most important part. But yeah, so I'm Jonathan. I graduated from UC Riverside three years ago. It seems like forever. Uh, and then CEO, founder of Wansulting, which our mission is to turn underdogs into winners. So helping those who come from non-target schools and non-traditional backgrounds, and then help them get into their dream career. So now we've helped thousands of people during these times, especially during the pandemic, mm-hmm. land jobs at the Googles, the Facebooks, the Goldman Sachs of the world. And then I previously worked at Snapchat, Google, and Cisco in strategy and operations before going full-time with Wansulting. So I've been Wansulting full-time for the past three months. It's been exciting to say the least, and I'm just super excited to speak about it today. Yeah, that 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 is really exciting. And um, for those who don't know, Jonathan was also nominated for Forbes 30 Under 30. Oh, yeah, we're in the final um, round. We're almost there, almost there. Yeah, so... Uh, I don't know if you can talk too much about it, but if there is anything, anything you want to say about that, share your story about it. Yeah. So we have been doing a lot of different work in regards to helping students and job seekers during these times. And yeah, we recently got nominated by a bunch of people specifically on the Forbes 30 under 30 who are already nominated, but then also some editors and they nominated basically Juan Solting. So myself and Jerry Lee for it. And at first we were like, okay, like let's just see how it goes. And then we actually got a call. Uh, for it Mm -hmm. and we got nominated for both uh, social entrepreneurship and education so we're gonna see how it goes we're in the final round for both of them Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah hopefully when this airs out we we have it already but we're gonna find out next month so um, just super excited for it and just shows the hard work that we've been putting in but then also helping so many other different people absolutely can you win in both categories I think only one okay but I think the one we're more tailored towards is Mm -hmm. education because we've been educating more people in regards to utilizing LinkedIn, or as we say, getting jobs without applying, which I'll talk a little about today. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, so, like, how, what do you think really sparked OneSolting's growth during the pandemic? Like, how were you guys able to, from what I've seen just by following you guys, you've helped so many people get jobs yeah. in this very risky and very uncertain time where people, it seems everywhere, are losing their jobs. Um, so, what do you think really sparked that? Yeah, so I would say two things. Number one, shift in mindset is extremely important because when the pandemic hit, a lot of people were like, man, like I'm not going to be able to get into my career or my business is going to fail. But you have to pivot into a virtual world because everything is now not in person. Actually, the last in-person event, I invited you, Nikhil. You were speaking at Cal State Long Beach and you were a panelist, right? And that's when I knew, I was like, oh my gosh, like we're going to be switching to a virtual world. And that, I thought I was, like, consulting was done for because our speaking engagements at Boston University, New York, all these different places got canceled because a lot of the universities were like, yeah, we don't, we can't do it. It's obviously not going to be in person. Mm-hmm. But that pivot in mindset 
is just very important. So yeah. for anybody listening today, if you're trying to change your business, sometimes you gotta make a pivot like that. And then the second part is being the first movers. I think this is so important. So what we did for Wonsulting was two things that were extremely important. Number one, we set up our speaker series. So we had a speaker series every month where we brought in professionals and recruiters who spoke about their roles, who were recruiting for specific roles. And students and job seekers were like, oh my gosh, I have to go to these events so I can learn from them. And we had about a thousand people come to the first one. And then we consistently had about a couple 10,000 people come. And then the second part is just basically building a platform where students and job seekers can get jobs, mm -hmm. right? So we'd partner with like Google, Facebook, Zillow, Adidas recently, and they would come recruit these students and job seekers. And they're like, oh my gosh, like now I can get a job. Yeah. Right? So it's just those first mover part is extremely important to do. And if you're able to do that, you'll be okay. Yeah. So, so clearly like a lot of companies are still hiring despite everything happening. It's just kind of looking in like people need to like look in the right place more on a digital level and utilize platforms like linkedin and stuff right exactly because like for me for my jobs and i mentioned this in the previous one i never just got from simply applying mm -hmm. right especially mm -hmm. coming from a as they say non-target school where the opportunities aren't like for example google doesn't recruit specifically at ucr mm -hmm. you got to go out there and utilize linkedin in order to get those opportunities mm -hmm. but like i said before the difference between sometimes a Harvard and UCR is simply just opportunities. Yeah. But the thing is you have to create the opportunities for yourself. Mm -hmm. And that's why we created that platform. So then people can not only be motivated by it, but then put action towards the words that they're speaking about and then get into their careers. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious. So I'm sure that there are some people on our Twitch and our LinkedIn who maybe don't know um, entirely like how to kind of leverage certain things and how to how to utilize things in a way that's going to benefit them in a big way um so i'm, I'm curious if you would be open to sharing the story like how you went from graduate from a ucr like you say a non-targeted school and uh was your first gig at a google or at google excuse me yeah so yeah, how'd that happen yeah of course so what happened was yeah i always remember i wanted to work at like big four yeah like deloitte yeah. <laughs> shameless plug mikhail <laughs> deloitte ey all those different companies right but I realized that when I was applying to these companies, I was getting rejected by all of them. Mm -hmm. But the thing was, I didn't want to work there. I think it's because I was so set on being like a top person or society was telling me like, yo, you got to work in the big four and then you can get into big tech. And I was like, okay, like I, I believe that. The thing is though, if you change that mindset, network as best you can on LinkedIn, you can get to wherever you want to be and wherever you set your mind to. So when I was networking, what I do is instead of going for big four, I actually connected a lot of people from UCR from Big Four, and that's how a lot of them actually come for UCR Alpha, for example. Mm -hmm. But what I did was I started networking with people, reaching out to hiring managers and recruiters who had were the points of contact for the positions. Because what I think people do is they go reach out to anybody and they have no common ground between them. And then they're like, oh my gosh, I don't have a job. Mm -hmm. They don't have, right. they're not hiring. You gotta go find the hiring manager and recruiter who's hiring for the role. Yeah. So that's why I reached out to someone at Snapchat, got on the phone with them, killed the interview, and that's how I got my first job. Gotcha. So you went directly to a recruiter as opposed to going, let's say, to some like third connection on uh, on LinkedIn that just so happens to also work there, kind of thing. Like you went straight to the source. Exactly. So what happens is, and people don't know this, there's different tiers of applications when you are applying to different roles or you're going for different roles. So number one, for example, like give me a company. What company are you all interested in? Let's just say, I know you're both entrepreneurs, but what company? Apple. 
Apple. Okay, let's say Apple. Let's say a position. What's the position at Apple? UX designer. UX designer. Okay. Oh, be careful. You're gonna you're gonna get Nikhil to leave. Uh, <laughs> I have to leave Relogic. Let's but... do a janitorial <laughs> staff at uh, at Apple, please. This is my backup. But check this out. So what happens? Um, so Apple. Yeah. Apple UX designer. Yeah. How many people do you think applied to UX designer at Apple? Thousands. Yeah. Thousands. Hundreds of thousands of them. We'll just say ten thousand. Okay. How many people do you think get referred? I'd be like maybe 5% of that. 5%, let's just say 50. How many people do you think actually reach out to the hiring manager and the hiring manager recruits them, like refers them? Like 1% of that. One, and how many positions are there? One, two. One or two. Yeah. yeah. So what happens is the recruiters and hiring managers, people think that they look at the applications, but the reason why they have an ATS system is because there's so many applications. Mm -hmm. The hiring manager will look at the ones who they recommended first or the recruiter will. Yeah. And imagine they just need one person. Mm -hmm. Why would they ever look at the thousand applications? Right. They You're wouldn't. saying if, if all the criteria is met with the one person that was recommended, then it's it's over. Exactly. Okay. So what happens is exactly that. You save time and it saves the recruiters time because recruiters have eight hours in a day, 40 hours in a week to find a perfect candidate. They're not going to go through, let's say a thousand resumes, a minute each. That's a thousand minutes. That's a long time. I can't divide that in hours, but... <laughs> but yeah, you know, so that's why you should always try to reach out and find the hiring managers and recruiters to the roles. It's so easy. All you got to do is just type in your field operations, recruiter, company, Apple. <laughs> yeah. It's that simple. Like yeah. people think it's really complicated, but it's, it's not that complicated. Yeah. So what, what does that conversation look like? Like what is the, the sliding into the DMs for a recruiter <laughs> look like on LinkedIn? Yeah. So most people will do this. They'll reach out to the recruiter and say, hey, give me a job. Okay. It's totally wrong. You have to first identify if this is the correct recruiter. So if you are, let's say a sales, you're going for sales, but you reach out to a tech recruiter, you're obviously not going to get a response because the tech recruiters are recruiting for software engineers and engineering roles. Yeah. So you have to first identify that's the correct recruiter. Number two, when you reach out, you send them a personalized invite. You don't just click connect. You send a personalized invite, but in the personal invite, you say what intrigued yourself about their profile, but then you mention your experience because no recruiter or hiring manager is going to talk with you if they don't think you're relevant to the position that they're recruiting for. Mm -hmm. So let's just say UX designer, or let's just say operations analyst, because this is how I did it for Snapchat. Yeah. I was like, hey, you know, I saw that you're recruiting for roles specifically at Snapchat for operations specialists. Uh, I believe my experiences in Excel, SQL, match this role. I'd love to connect and chat more about it. That's when she added me back and was like, oh yeah, let's uh, take some time to chat. Because before I would just say, hey, I saw you're a recruiter. I'd love to connect with you and see if you could get me a job. Mm -hmm. Change the mindset, as I said, and say, number one, if they're recruiting for the role that you're interested in, ask them. Number two, if they're not, instead of you taking from them, give to them. Say, hey, how can I help you? I'm telling you, nobody ever asked that. Out of one out of 100 people will ask, hey, what can I do for you instead of what, what can you do for me? Mm -hmm. So it's that change of mindset and philosophy. Wow. Yeah, interesting. I mean, I, I think even to your point, I, I know that on LinkedIn, especially if you have premium, um, if you go to a job opening and it's like for a bigger kind of company or at least a company that cares enough to really flesh out their what they're doing on LinkedIn, mm. um, it'll tell you like down in the description, like who the actual recruiters are. Sometimes it's two people, sometimes it's one person. So even if, let's say that you get lucky and you find a job opening on LinkedIn or really anywhere, 
um, and you find that like directly go to that recruiter, that's when you can just click on the profile, connect, and then put your personalized message, letting them know like, hey, I want to connect with you. I'm interested in this in this job. Also, here here are my my, my kind of like bullet point resume things that I know you're looking for and what I can bring to the table. Exactly. Yeah, and that's what you should do. You should always reach out to the recruiters and network more. Mm -hmm. What I think is networking is more key than, for example, like a cover letter or your resume. Mm -hmm. Because everybody has very similar experience. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, do you have a relationship that's as strong as the other person with that hiring manager or recruiter? Probably not. Yeah. So that's why you got to maintain that relationship and build that rapport. Yeah. Yeah. Would you say, because I know that some people um, kind of look at LinkedIn as a, as a numbers game. Mm -hmm. So they, in, do you think it's more valuable to um, build a, like have under 500 meaningful connections with the people you have or have that 500 plus icon next to you just for the sake of saying you have that? Depends. It depends on what your goal is. Because before I wouldn't add everybody, but I'm actually reaching my limit because there's apparently there's a 30,000 max connections limit. I'm at 29,000 right now. Oh, wow. Um, but what happens after that? You get you can't add anybody. <laughs> which oh, is like crazy. 76,000 followers or something? Yeah, right? something like, I, think some, I think I just reached uh, 74. Um, but yeah, it just depends on what you're trying to accomplish. So for example, for entrepreneurs, I would actually add everybody. The reason why is because if you're making consistent content, then they're going to see it and they're going to continue supporting you. Yeah. Right? But if I were working in, let's just say like Deloitte or Facebook, yeah. I would be a little bit selective because what I would always think is what happens if this person said, oh, Nikhil, I know Nikhil from Deloitte and they reached out to a recruiter and the recruiter they had a bad conversation, but you don't even know them. So okay. it just depends on what your goal is for that. But the 500 plus, I mean, some recruiters look at it. Recruiters tend to take only seven seconds to look at your LinkedIn profile anyways. So as long as those connections can lead to opportunities and you look at connections not as just connections but as friends yeah that's what's important gotcha mm -hmm. and how many people have you helped uh get jobs during the pandemic since like march it's a lot i don't know if i can uh, trace the number we have a success story every day wow like it's crazy awesome. people will message me on linkedin or even on instagram be like hey jonathan i just got this job from utilizing the consulting resources mm -hmm. actually colin was one of the one of the one of my clients he's right he's right there he's right back uh, <laughs> you got a job you got a job during the pandemic too so um and the reason why we love helping people is because when we work with people one-on-one -on -one, we make sure that they get a job like yeah. it's not transactional we're not like here there you go and now go find your job we'll always answer questions whenever they need it but then i also produce free content on linkedin which people utilize to get jobs regardless mm -hmm. so it's usually 50 50. some are clients some are some are clients slash mentees some are just people who just follow me on linkedin mm -hmm. yeah and i mean i think that transitions really well into the main topic that we want to talk about so when you first started Consulting. Did you think that you were ever going to take this on full time? Yeah. So I honestly didn't. Right. And I was thought I was going to be in like corporate mm -hmm. for a while and then figure it out. Mm -hmm. But then when I was at my end term for Google or when I was considering making a shift and consulting was growing, mm -hmm. I was like, maybe I can. Right. And I was listening to a lot of a lot of books and a lot of podcasts and all those different things. And it was like, take the leap. So then that's why I went to Cisco, because at Cisco, I was actually able to balance a lot of the different work between consulting and Cisco. Mm -hmm. So 
But yeah, when I made that shift to doing it full time, it just was very uh, seamless. It seemed like I was already doing one sold thing full time, to be honest. Yeah.、Um, but yeah, for any entrepreneurs out there who are who are looking to take the leap, I suggest it. As long as you make a calculated one,、mm-hmm. something that I did was I was an entrepreneur, which you kind of were an entrepreneur basically, right? So what I did was I worked at Snap, Google, and Cisco in strategy and operations. Then kind of figured out how their processes were specifically with how they scaled, and then I implemented some of the same processes into Juan Soltan. Yeah. So, so what was when? So you were at Cisco when,、um, I guess you started to realize that this was going to be like a real thing.、Mm-hmm. So what was your I guess mindset、um, internally when you kind of realized that this was going to actually start happening? Like once the pandemic hit and. Um, everything started to take off. Like, what was your just like walk us through that journey and your mindset through the whole process? It was crazy because, and I talked a little bit about this on LinkedIn, but my job actually got affected by layoffs for COVID nineteen at Cisco.、Mm-hmm. Okay, and I didn't release that until I actually left、mm-hmm. because Cisco actually kept me on from February all the way till July. Honestly, if I'm being real, I didn't really do much. I just did professional development. But、mm-hmm. I think it's because I'm making LinkedIn content, and I was like the only one from Cisco making LinkedIn content.、Um, but yeah, I was kind of forced to go into doing one sold thing full time early because I was going to、mm-hmm. do it in July, right? But that, and I still remember, yeah, when I got the news that like, oh, your your job's going to be affected by COVID nineteen, I got super sad about it, like for an hour, maybe a day, maybe a day. <laughs> but but then I real, I was like, man, like this. Actually forced me to a point where I take the leap instead of me always having to think about it, pushing it out, and being like, "Okay, I'm going to do it eventually." But it forces me to think, "How am I going to scale my business and work on it?" And so when that happened, that's when the speaker series, that's when everything started growing. Like our following went to about thirty thousand in like six months on our Juan Solting page.、Mm. Our community is now, I think, over one hundred eighty thousand. Nice. So、um, yeah, I mean, it just kind of forced me. To do it full time,、mm-hmm. but that realization helped me understand what I wanted to do in my career. And do you think your relationship with Jerry as, and having him as COO really helped? Yes. Carry that. One hundred percent. Yeah. So when he joined, he actually joined right when,、um, right when I got affected by the COVID nineteen layoffs.、Mm-hmm. So he came right when that happened.、Mm-hmm. Um, And yeah, he's been he's been an awesome supporter, and he's been doing impactful things. What I like about Jerry is he takes calculated,、uh, he calculates everything. I'm very rushed. I'm spontaneous. So I'm the exact opposite. So、That's、I'm me and Val. You and Val. See exactly right. So I feel like this guy's right in the middle. I feel like half the reason I got I got brought on was just to <laughs> rain, <laughs> just to rein in the two of them and, and balance it all out. Because yeah, yeah, it's, it's it's a fun time whenever we talk about.、Um, Uh, like a、uh, road mapping and stuff like that. Whenever like、yeah. Nikhil's like, oh, we can do it in like six months, and I was like, nah, we can do it in two、like、months. Two months. <laughs> yeah, we can do it in, like a month. And I go, what about three? Are we are we feeling three? Does that sound fine? So like, Luis, you're right, you're right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but it's always good to have team members like that, or、yeah. people like co-founders, or a great team. Like you have a great team here, yeah, because they not only hold you accountable, but they also support you in whatever you do, and they believe in your mission. When I was by myself. I was my own motivation, but it wasn't as motivating as having someone who'd hold me accountable. And people were like, "It's always supporting me." Yeah. So I think it's always important to bring people on、mm-hmm. that you think would not only provide value, but just also give you different insights and perspectives. And I know that、yes. each one of you all here give that for free logic. Yeah. yeah. And I'm sure you're planning on sticking with this for quite a while. And 
very long term, I'm sure. But mm-hmm. what are your what do you where do you guys see yourself going in the next few years? Yeah, so I mean, hopefully we'll we'll be able to, as I say, take over career centers. <laughs> but no, like basically teaching a lot of students and job seekers the actual ways of how to get a job simply without applying, because I think what happens is most people will apply to more roles and they think that they'll get more responses, which is true. But you'll spend eight hours in a day, forty hours in a week, like it's a full-time job looking for a job.、Mm-hmm. When in、yeah. fact it shouldn't take you that long. It probably should take you less than an hour per day if you're a job seeker, because you should allocate time towards things that need time.、Mm-hmm. All right. So hopefully that part. Number two, we're working on some programs to help a lot of the students, like partnering with a lot of companies to recruit them directly, and giving them kind of those candidates who are doing extremely well,、um, and giving it to them to make their lives easier. I think is very important. And then, yeah, I mean. Hopefully we'll be in Forbes 30 under 30. I don't know. I'm jinxing myself right now, everybody.、So. No, no, no. We we're gonna <laughs> vote for Jonathan. So we we do have a question in LinkedIn from somebody named Valtteri. I don't know who that is. No idea who that is. But yeah, thanks、uh, for thanks for coming on. Happy to have you as a as a, as a guest, <laughs> not a guest as a viewer.、Um, okay, so he's asking.、Um, What do you think about first movers being plagued by lookalike companies、uh, learning from the first movers and scaling quicker or cheaper by avoiding the same mistakes? Oh, so I'm assuming Val is saying, what should you look at in terms of people who are copying you? Yeah, I'm, basically I'm, just like copycats who maybe have money behind them and they can scale a lot quicker. Oh, that's a good question. So we actually experienced this a lot with One Soul Thing. A lot of、uh, it was crazy because when we did the speaker series, like. Thirty different company all of a sudden had speaker series. They're like, "Oh, we're bringing on people, blah blah blah." Right? Yeah, I noticed that. Yeah, right. So, and that part, and it's so it's so <clears throat> crazy. People actually like take my quotes and they use them on LinkedIn all the time.、Mm-hmm. Like I say, don't apply, get referred. There was a company who literally took it and said, "Don't apply, get referred." As their thing, I was like, "Oh my gosh, you need to trademark these things." <laughs> but what I see is I don't really look too much at competition, but if you look at it, so for example, if a big name company, let's just say. Google started a speaker series. Like obviously, it's Google. Like they're way bigger, billion dollar company. Not like Monsoli's not a billion dollar company yet. Hopefully, not yet, yet. again. <laughs> um, but but yeah, instead of being like, man, like these companies just took my idea. Instead, joining forces, I think is is cool. Yeah. So whenever I saw someone doing a speaker series, so when I saw at Cisco was actually the one who did a speaker series right after we did it. I actually suggested it to them. I was like,、mm-hmm. you should do a speaker series. We then just collaborated with each other because、mm-hmm. we were like. Let's take their speakers and have them speak for for us,、yeah. right? So we had our SVP, like literally the SVP of engineering, come and speak,、mm-hmm. etc. So I think that is what's important, especially if you're a first mover and if you see other companies doing it, it's totally fine. You just have to have a value prop behind yourself and what makes you different. So what I think what makes Jerry and I different for our speaker series was that we were very relatable to the students and job seekers because we just graduated three years ago. Yeah. So we're very personal,、mm-hmm. personable.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think th- that reminds me too. I, I I feel like ever since your guys' speaker series started to really take off, like you mentioned, like other people started doing them too. But I I think I've I've seen LinkedIn become a much more collaborative and like、mm-hmm. friendly community.、Mm-hmm. Like I've seen so much more community ever since like One Salting、um, really started to catch everyone's eyes. And I, I'm sure Colin could speak about that too. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's pretty awesome. I think you guys have really created a lot of influence、um, on a social media platform, which is huge.、Um, mm. And there's just like a lot of a lot more respect for LinkedIn going around. And I think 
just in my experience, it starts a lot of it starts with like what one's whole thing is done. Yeah, it has to start with like grassroots kind of things, you know, where it's not some big company trying to be like, "Hello, fellow kids, how's it going?" Mm-hmm. Like it, instead, it's it's you know, a, you think like the underdog, like like you say, mm-hmm. you know, like you have like this person getting a following or this company getting a following, getting a movement behind them, um, growing a community. Um, and I agree with you. I think it's way more friendly on mm-hmm. LinkedIn. Like back, even even like two years ago, LinkedIn was just like this doggy dog place <laughs> where it was like, if you weren't connected with that one person, then you're nobody kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Um, whereas now it's like, no, it's like, there's a lot more engagement in thought. And mm-hmm. I think that's really cool. Like that's, and I think, I mean, whether or not you're going to take some responsibility for that, I, I think that it is in part due to a push that you kind of led there. Yeah, and I think a lot of people are opening up too in regards to their rejections and getting affected by like layoffs. Mm-hmm. I think that's very important to be transparent but also vulnerable because a lot of companies like that. Mm-hmm. And then what I tell people all the time is to never get discouraged in regards to if you don't have a job yet because there's so many opportunities out there that you can utilize to get into your career. Like one thing that people always tell me that they dislike is when people announce their offers or their jobs because they get discouraged. Mm-hmm. We all felt that way sometimes. Uh, it, I think uh, it, I think it just shows that like, especially if you, if you are looking, if you're a job seeker and mm-hmm. you see somebody else get an offer, you're like, oh shit. You're like, oh well, yeah. like this sucks. Like <laughs> someone else is out there like actually making some moves and meanwhile I'm just chilling here in my boxers <laughs> applying for like 80 <laughs> jobs in one day, you know? And, and I was going to say, so that part, so that's what most people think, right? Like yeah. that, right? But the thing is, if you shift the mindset, I always talk about mindset because it's super important in job search. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What I tell people is instead of getting discouraged, get motivated by it, but then also utilize those posts to go network with people because number one, that person is probably in the position that you are interested in. Go reach out to them. Number two, they probably tag the recruiters and hiring managers in the position go reach out to them. Say, hey, I saw that you uh, saw that Nikhil just got a job at Freelogic. I'd love to learn more about how you did it. And then that's your foot in the door. So if you shift that perspective of these different things, you can get into your career. Yeah. Instead of having it be this kind of downer, have it be a way that you can leverage getting what you want. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Leveraging LinkedIn. That's our favorite topic we love to discuss (laughs) in workshops. Yeah. Do you think that yeah that made me think like do you think there's other platforms out there that are kind of untapped right now that like just like how linkedin was that um you'd like to see a shift into tiktok easy the old ticky talk huh? <laughs> tiktok <laughs> reason why is tiktok so at first i wasn't taking it serious because i was like man just maybe just a bunch of uh 18 year olds on it right? like, <laughs> I think then, less than that yeah like 15, right 15 like, <laughs> right yeah. so I was like man they can never become clients or whatever yeah but I realized that it is huge in regards to engagement so we've been running our TikTok for about a month mm-hmm. um, and I think we have over 4,500 followers in like a month Wow. Which is said 4,500? 4, 4, yeah, 4,500. Yeah, so did I say 4,000, 45,000? I, I, yeah, <laughs> I said it different. Oh, I just to make yeah. sure. Okay, I was like 45,000 is way too much. Um, but yeah, I think it's good because it's just little snippets, like for career things, little snippets of the strategies. So what I'll do is I'll have LinkedIn posts, I'll have TikTok posts. So whenever someone needs help with something, I always have an answer to it because I just say, hey, go look at my uh, post that I posted on TikTok or yeah. LinkedIn. So I think TikTok is good. YouTube, we've been moving to a lot of YouTube. So we've been switching a lot from LinkedIn Live to YouTube Live uh, because YouTube Live is monetizable. 
right? Yeah. In regards to like how much, like how many views, etc. Mm -hmm. But then also it's just more easier to find like our YouTube links. Mm -hmm. So that's why we do a lot of, we're trying to balance each of the platforms because we realize that we have hundreds of thousands on LinkedIn, but then on YouTube, we have only a couple. So and then you want to balance each one. Yeah. I think it's important, especially yeah. with scaling. Definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Well, hey, thanks for sharing your story of mm -hmm. going full time with one salting. I want to pass the floor over to Luis. Um, oh, share, share my fun story. Of <laughs> yeah. Um, as we mentioned earlier, Luis and I have also transitioned to our entrepreneurial roles. That was a weird way of saying it. I think I our like it, though. I, it has, <laughs> you know, we, we have, in fact, transitioned into our entrepreneurial roles. Did I say that correctly? Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, you know, I'd love to hear what your your personal story was, and you know what your mindset and drive was to take Free Logic on full time. Yeah, I mean, uh, one word response would be COVID. Um, so we can leave it at that. But I think you want a little bit more. Yes, um, <laughs> so um, uh, I was working at Two Two Six. I was the uh, director of marketing there, so I was kind of in charge of... What's 226 before? Yeah, so 226, oof, it's a lot of things. 226, it's one thing. 226 <laughs> was a um, basically a content house. So they did, um, uh, I say they, it's, that's how separate my brain is from it now. They, uh, the team over there, what they do is they get contracted by either an ad house. So we think like someone making an ad for, I don't know, like uh, one of the bigger clients we had was like Marriott um, and or like uh, the Rams or something like that, make a commercial for them and then they go and shoot the commercial um, all the way to like smaller, small businesses. Like there's a huge gap, but it was like commercial video photography kind of thing, right? Um, so my job there was kind of multi faceted but what i really did was i didn't just like shoot because I, I did that as well i shot some of the stuff both video and uh and stills i also like made the website i did the proposals i did all the partnerships i helped bring in clients all this kind of stuff so i was like the voice if you want to call it that of the company like most of the calls went through me most of the booking went through me i was i was that person and then we would go fly around the u.s um and shoot these commercials um so that's what i was uh, and then that was fine and dandy. And then COVID hit and all the work just dried up, gone, because you can't do any shooting in person, especially at the beginning of COVID when it was everything was on lockdown. Um, so what happened was we went fully remote. So I was just like at home working for, I want to say two months before it got to the point where we were just like, hey, this is not, this isn't, if this is going to stay like this, this can't stay. Um, so I was furloughed after two months and then, um, I let the guys know and I was like, Hey, I've been furloughed. And like jokingly, we were just like, let's hope it, let's hope it becomes more than furlough. Ha ha ha. Um, <laughs> and then, and then, uh, and then, and then we, yeah, a little foreshadowing, um, furloughed for a long time. And that kind of opened me up to do more stuff for FLM. So that, that allowed, it, it gave me like this weird thing where like I was working like, 60 80 hour weeks at 226 like cranking it out like we're talking like i would get there at, like eight or nine in the morning and i wouldn't leave the office until like 6 p.m because like i mean the bucks for the, a lot of times stopped with me mm. um so whether it was like editing stuff proposals talking to clients emailing back and forth I, I would i was working late hours to say the least um so uh going from that hard stop to then now i'm doing stuff with free logic and and to some extent the brew before it was this platform that we have now 
um, it was weirdly refreshing. It like where it was like it was just me in an office at some, most times by myself uh, working, and then it became this like I'm now entering this very collaborative space where it's just like oh my goodness like I can reach out to Nikhil, I can reach out to Val, I can reach out to Nick, I can reach out to Heidi, I can reach out to Cat, anybody on the team. Um, and we can just have a conversation and we, we would, we would have weekly conversations. We would have check-ins with one another. Um, so like in my mind, I was like, oh my God, yeah, absolutely. This is something that I can see myself doing like forever. This is amazing. Um, uh, so a few months ago was like two months ago. You want to, start? I think around that time, two months ago, it could have uh, been, been like, a it, week could, ago, it could have been a week ago at this point. Months. It doesn't even matter at this point. 2020 is <laughs> the time, frame. Time, time doesn't matter anymore, dude. Um, I... I tentatively got offered my job again. Um, they said, hey, um, we're starting to get some work again. Um, can you come back? And it was this like weird moment where like in my brain, I, I was think I, I imagine that I would immediately go, oh, hell yes. Like, let's do it. I'm ready to start working again. But I was like, I don't really want to. I was like, I don't really want to go back and do that stuff. I'd rather just keep doing free logic stuff. Um, and then we got into like, so like, kind of like being kind of rough with it um i made i basically came in and said okay i'll join again but i want these are my demands like this is what i want and i more so than not it was just like me being like i'm not doing overtime and if i do do overtime i want a bonus or something like because like i want if i'm gonna go back i'm gonna do like 40 hour weeks maybe 50 hour weeks just trying to get a mm -hmm. grasp on my own life you know um and that kind of just melted like that was like it was this weird kind of back and forth of just like, oh no, we expect you to do this. And I was like, I don't expect to do that. And it was like this back and forth. Um, it wasn't like angry or anything. It was very amicable. Like I make it sound like it's like we're yelling at each other. But it's like, <laughs> no, it's like, it was, it was really amicable. But yeah. um, we just came to the conclusion. I was like, I'd rather just work contract for you guys. I was like, if you guys need me for whatever reason, I'm here for you. I want to see 226. Um, well, 226 Collective is the whole name. I call it 226. But mm. I want to see the company... Uh, succeed because I, I believe in what they're doing. I think the content, the photography they do is fantastic, phenomenal. Um, but I was like, no, it's fine. I was like, I think let's go our separate ways here. If you need me for something, contact me. If not, then you guys got it. You guys can can manage it. Um, and since then, um, it was like a one night of like no sleep where I was just like, am I an idiot? Like, I am I am I dumb? Like, did I just make like a mistake? um turning down this job that i had um to now to now do this like full time where it's like the safety net is gone you know it's like there's nothing there um but since that sleepless night i've been sleeping very well <laughs> uh and yeah man that's 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 really it now i do now i'm free logic the brew free logic group what are we calling ourselves full time many things <laughs> um, <laughs> to be announced um yeah it's you know it's it's a lot and that's kind of how I, I wouldn't say that I, I just like stood up one day in my in out of, out of my desk and said, I quit. Yeah. Um, it was more um, I was like, well, I got pushed out of it, sort of furloughed. And then I realized that I was just like beating myself, bur you know, burning the candle from both ends type deal. Um, and I just felt the complete opposite with with uh, free logic. So that, that made the transition really easy for me. It was like, this place gives me energy and the other place that I was working at sucked my energy. So this is where I want to be. And now this is where I am. Mm -hmm. Wow. I love that.
honestly. And what I say all the time is the five pe five closest friends or five people you associate with really do reflect who you are. Mm -hmm. And it's awesome because like today is Halloween and you yeah. have all these amazing people right here. Like five, literally one, two, three, four, oh, six, never mind. I, one Colin. of them gotta go. Yeah, one of them gotta go. Colin, uh, get it. <laughs> Colin, get it. <laughs> but yeah, like that's what, that's what honestly will motivate you because you're like, wow, like these aren't just like my coworkers, this is my family. Yeah. And I think that family aspect, especially working in different companies is important because then you know that your work is going to be doing something that's impactful, but then also you're with people who just support you in every way, not just during what you're doing at Free Logic, but also outside of it. So I hope you guys hang out outside of work, probably. Probably, uh, yeah. That's around with Nikhil all the time. <laughs> I actually make a point to not ever hang out with Nikhil. <laughs> I, I forgot one time I roasted him on the over under. Oh, we're bringing that up, huh? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> right, I was going to bring up the other time we went out. We went out. No, we're not. Yeah, we're not bringing up that time. Um, huh? Okay. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I, I love what you said about family. Like, I think um, here at Free Logic, we've really fostered that family element. Like, all of a sudden, we've grown to 10 people, but I feel like we all have such a strong connection. Like, I feel like Val and Luis are my brothers, and mm -hmm. like, we're really close. And yeah, we um, genuinely care for each other. Mm -hmm. So, matters. And you know, everyone else in the company, too. I feel like we're just all part of one unit and we're all in it together. So, yeah, isn't that just crazy to say, though? That just there's the team is 10 people. Like, have you, have you thought about it? Like, when I, when I was looking at the new, by the way, brew.tv, when I was looking at the, <laughs> at the, new, at the new website, hey, shameless plug, yeah, shameless plug. Um, when I was looking at brew.tv, um, I went down to the team section and I saw the 10 of us, and I was like, oh my god. I was like, there's 10 people right now. Like, it, it's, and yeah. it's it's weird, dude. It's it's weird to say that they, we are a part of that, and in some way, shape, or form, are kind of the ringleaders of the uh, of that kind of creation. Yeah. I'll just say, how many people do y'all have now? I mean, uh, uh, in the beginning of the year. Beginning of the, At year. the beginning of the year. Um, six, seven, six, six. Five. Yeah, six, <laughs> six, six or five. Wow. Yeah. Hundred yeah. percent a gain right there. Yeah. 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 Fastest growing startup, everybody LinkedIn. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, and it, you know, when you say it like that, like 100% gain, like it's, we, I've never thought about it in percentages and I've yeah. never correlated it to the fact that we, we've grown this team during COVID. Like mm. that, like yeah. if this was like any other year, we could be like, oh, 100% growth. And people would be like, cool, nice, mm. good yeah. for you. Right. Um, but because I think it's happening in the situation that we're in now, I, I think it has a little, a little special something to it there's something here is what i'm trying to say you know mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah and our newest member of the team is here andrew um he's definitely he's responsible for helping make this show look really good as well as nick who's been here with us since pretty much day one so thank you guys for making this awesome um looking forward to much more awesome stuff coming out so yeah um Oh, what's your story? I know that's coming up, right? Yeah. yeah. What's uh, what's your deal, huh? Yeah, stop asking us. I'm yeah. Stop, stop uh, intimidating. <laughs> the yeah. How do I begin this, man? So start from when you were born, please. I want to hear when the whole I was thing. born. So I was born in Phoenix, Arizona. Okay. So. Oh, never mind. Skip, <laughs> that. Skip, that. Skip to when you get to California. Yeah. And then then I'm interested. Yeah. Okay. So Val and I we started Free Logic um, two and a half years ago now. Um, yeah, it's been a while. So wow. it's like while I was still a junior, um, I hadn't even done my Deloitte internship yet. And I guess when we started this thing, it was initially Val's vision. And he came to me because of my skill set. Um, and I was like, yeah, let's do it. But I personally never saw myself as an entrepreneur and never thought 
that I was going to, I guess, leave my job, especially at this age, mm-hmm. to go take something on that I'm building myself full time. Um, and but yeah, so I, I I never thought I never actually thought that I was going to leave and do this full time. Um, I thought it's a possibility, but in the beginning, it kind of more felt like. We're kind of just doing this to build our portfolio, and it's fun. And let's just see where it goes, you know. Um, so fast forward a little bit. I think so. While I was an intern at Deloitte, um, we were working on this on the side as well, mm-hmm. as well as when I was full time at Deloitte. But when I became full time, um, my time at Free Logic dwindled significantly.、Um, but luckily, like we had some of the team. Some of the ten people, like I think maybe three or four,、um, to keep. I don't think you had even joined yet. Just to, to, to keep like the ship afloat and things were moving. But、um, I guess I can openly, personally say now that like I didn't feel like the best co-founder. Right? I felt like you know my mind is here、um, because that's where I feel like in my head it, I, I've been geared that I need to grow my career in this big company because I feel like. Um, a lot of what society drives us to do is you know, graduate high school, go to a four-year university,、mm-hmm. and then work for the big corporation. Nine to five.、Right? Nine, yeah, to five. nine to five. Pension. Yeah. The goods. Pension. And I think. RCs. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> RCs. <laughs> yeah.、Um, so I, well, yeah. So I, I, I was always just kind of geared like I'm, I'm going to try to grow in Deloitte, and this is a great launching pad for me. Um, but as time went by, especially once COVID hit, things started to really take off for Free Logic, right? Like we started getting more projects, more work, and we started to see much more of a vision for this company, and it was really exciting. But at the same time, frustrating that I couldn't devote my time to this,、um, and also like at the same time, I was obviously like dealing with other things at work at, at Deloitte,、um, and I was still learning. And I've learned a lot,、um, but it was just this very confusing. Like, what what do I do right now? You know.、Um, so, yeah, I'm trying to like collect my thoughts and try to figure out the right way to say this. But,、um, yeah, I it got it got so confusing because I got to a point where I got to where I wanted to be in that company. Um, I was fight. I was. I, I became a UX designer there, and I got、yeah. on like some really exciting projects.、Um, maybe like three or four for like a couple of healthcare companies、um, and for a big bank. And but at the same time, we were getting like these projects here. And you see, I'm like all over the place right now, and that's、right. literally what my mind was. Yeah. Right. And yeah. it's. It's. I was gonna say it's crazy because. Probably people were like, Nikhil, why do you want to leave Deloitte? Why do you want to leave your? We make fun of him still to this day. Like to this day, we literally are like, when he was first thinking about leaving, and he was like really serious about it. Me and Val during like our manager calls would be like, wait a second, you're leaving Deloitte? <laughs> like, wait,、well, like, yeah. Said this like behind me or no? Like, on the meeting, <laughs> you all. I, remember, I mean, all, you don't remember all the times we'd make fun of you for leaving Deloitte? Do you actually make fun of me? I mean, it wasn't like a real make fun of. It was like a friendly. There's love behind the making fun of, but it was there for sure. Yeah, we'd, we'd be like, "Can you believe this guy's、yeah. leaving Deloitte?" When I, when you told me that, I was I got excited. I was like, "Heck yes!" Yeah, I texted yeah. you, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, "I'm leaving." I'm like, "Yo." Yeah. What's up? 
<laughs> so I apologize for being all over the place, but I think I'm really showing you what was going yeah. on in my head. Yeah. I was very stressed out um, and not necessarily in the best place because I was extremely confused on like, what am I trying to do right now? Because you're probably like, man, like I'm not going to be able to get that. To every two weeks, I have a set amount of salary. I know what to expect. Every exactly. That's what I felt too. Exactly. Because mm -hmm. I was like, man, like I'm not going to get the same salary I'm getting every two weeks. And I think that also just motivates you. It's like, man, like let me go beat that salary I'm making right now. And, do this, but then also enjoy what I what I love doing. Mm -hmm. So yeah, uh, yeah, and I I during this time, like I always remembered that Val would kind of like half jokingly say, but half seriously say, like you're gonna leave Deloitte by the end of the year. But, <laughs> oh, I don't think it was half jokingly. I manifested. Think, <laughs> I think Val would like look at you and be like, he was like, he was like, he was like putting a spell on you. He was like, you will leave like, Deloitte nah, by dude, the end of the I'm year. I'm gonna leave in two years <laughs> at the very like minimum. That's like my bar, and then it became like one year, and. And then I was like, no, like maybe a month and a half or a year and a half or something like we'll see. But it ended up becoming like 13 months. And I think when I I think what got me was that I realized that I was much happier when my mind was on free logic mm -hmm. because this was something I was building on my own. I was doing it with people I love mm -hmm. and we we all had like a collective mission and idea and um, passion for what we were doing, right? Like we are very passionate about building this community here in Riverside and beyond and about the work we do. And I think everything that we do here at Free Logic was exciting. And I wasn't necessarily getting that same feeling at Deloitte. Mm -hmm. So everything considered after months, maybe three, four months of internal battle in my head and tug of war, and trying to figure out what I was doing, I finally decided, okay, I'm gonna finish this project, work really hard on it, learn a lot from it, and then hand in my two weeks. Because free logic is what I wanna do, and I'm excited for it, and there's so much potential. Um, and this is a re really risky time right now, but I'm willing to take that risk because I'm young, and I'm not gonna get this opportunity again, most likely. Yeah, and I was gonna say too, like during the pandemic as well, what I tell people all the time is take the risk and if it doesn't work out, just say, oh, it's because of the pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> right, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, um, but yeah, yeah total respect for you, man, especially for leaving your, your corporate job. Like I tell people all the time, if you take the leap, you can always, and if you already maintain those relationships still, you can always come back. Yeah. That's why people all the time always tell me, if you're interested in coming back to Cisco, if you're just coming back to Google, let us know. We'll we'll take care of you, right? So you always have that backdrop. But I know for a fact that both of you, for example, and Val, you want to do this full time, of course, mm -hmm. forever. Another cool thing about being an entrepreneur, everybody, is that you do your own hours. Like yesterday, <laughs> like yesterday, I had one meeting from nine to ten, and then I just went to go San Diego to see my Lolo and Lola, which is a in the Philippines, it's a, a grandpa and grandma. Yeah. And then I just hung out with my family. Mm -hmm. So I love that balance of things because you don't have to be like, man, like I gotta, I gotta wake up at eight, then I gotta go leave at six, whatever. Yeah. Yep. Mm. Yeah. So I mean, ultimately, while I am a little bit, like I like I mentioned, I'd gotten to that point in Deloitte that I was fighting to get into for almost a whole year, mm -hmm. and it was so it got even more confusing then because it was just like, I got here now and now I'm just leaving, um, <laughs> but. Yeah, at the same time, it's like I met amazing people. Um, I learned so much from them. I got great experience and that experience is helping me today. And so I'm thankful for the experience. And even though I struggled a lot, I think if I had the opportunity to, I'd probably do it again. 
even though in the moment, like you, you've seen me in my rough patches, but like I'd do it again because it was very valuable. I'd probably do it a little bit differently, mm -hmm. but that experience is what is why I'm so confident going forward in free logic today. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, like what you were saying, I think the flexibility is amazing. I think I never really had the opportunity to like take my time in the morning, have a morning routine, read a book, work yeah. out, and then get started with my day. Um, and wow. it's nice. <laughs> exercise is key, everybody. Right. Um, and yeah, I, I, I think I think I find myself happier than I've been probably ever or in a very long time and yeah there's, sure there's stressful moments and stuff but um things are good and i'm happy and excited so yeah that's my my story <laughs> heartful you. story yeah thank you for sharing and, and i agree with you if i could pick being stressed out about free logic or being stressed out about a different job i would take free logic every single time mm -hmm. like if i could be stressed out about one thing it, it'd be that um we have another another question here from somebody named Colin. Uh, no idea. Thank you for watching. Um, what's your number one tip for aspiring entrepreneurs in using social media? I'm assuming it says to grow. A little typo there, Colin. Um, in using social media to grow their business slash idea, etc., um, and take things to the next level. So, what is your number one tip for aspiring entrepreneurs? Yeah, I would say, and by the way, for people in the chat, put hashtag free logic because this has been a dope conversation. So if you're in the chat, put hashtag free logic. I love saying this. I love saying and hashtag that. one salted. Hashtag one salted. Just keep asking questions. Yeah, I mean, this is yeah. an open yeah, this platform. Is, this is yeah. live. Going. Yeah, definitely ask. 100% live. So the yeah. more questions we get, the longer theoretically this could go. Yeah, so I would say for growing on social media, especially entrepreneurs, finding your niche. Very important. Because there's so many people doing different things. So for example, for career careers, so many people doing different things, LinkedIn strategies, resume revisions, all those different things. But what is your niche and what differentiates you between yourself and another person? For consulting, how we differentiate ourselves is basically the mission. I think your mission is very important because people then correlate with your mission and then they're like, wow, like I wanna turn underdogs into winners too, or I'm an underdog and I wanna be a winner. That's why, in quick story, we were actually gonna rebrand that whole thing Consulting. We were actually going to rebrand to something because uh, Jerry, sorry Jerry, I'm uh, I'm uh, calling you out right here, Jeff. <laughs> In the beginning, when when Jerry first joined, he was like, "Man, we should change our name." And I was like, "Why?" He's like, "Oh, because I did because I feel like blah blah blah." But then I was like, "No, let's just keep it because because someone actually from University of Michigan, sorry University of Michigan, but University of Michigan was like, "Well, we're not a we're not non-target schools." Right, so we were like, "Oh, do we target target schools too as well?" But then we realized the niche is the non-target schools, right? As I say, or the the schools that we can help get these opportunities. That was our market. So always remember, if you're an entrepreneur and trying to grow in social media, find your niche, find your community, and then also take feedback from your community and then implement into your own company. That feedback part is so important mm -hmm. because if you're just doing it for yourself and you're saying, "Oh, this is right," but you have no data behind it. It's gonna cause your social media to decline. Yeah, I, I think it's an important thing as well for for entrepreneurs. It's um, you don't have to say yes to every single opportunity, and oftentimes you should not say yes to every opportunity that comes your way. Mm -hmm. um, it's important having that mission, having yourself laid out, and what kind of your um, your automatic no's are. I mean, it's it's we have a list of th of within the company that's like if a client ever comes up to us. 
and they fall in the bucket of automatic no's, we have to tell them, sorry, you don't line up with our values. Um, no offense to you. We just, we just don't want to work with you. But here's a list of other consultants that might be able to, to do something to you. Well, Choosing to help you out um, because we, we identified that very early on. It's like we we know who we want to help and we know that we can help a, a big pool of people. Um, but there are those that maybe align with things that don't line up with us and we would rather not touch that. So we just kind of we have that as like an automatic. No, thanks. Mm-hmm. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that we don't want those companies to succeed. It's just something that we don't want to deal with. Mm-hmm. So I like I, that you all refer people like if they don't if you don't work with them just are they don't correlate their values, just refer people to other companies. That's so great. That's what I think entrepreneurs should do as well. Like for example, for consulting, if we think that we can't help a client or they can't afford a service, we're just like, hey, there's this other company that you could be interested in that could potentially help you. Because mm-hmm. then that helps each other, that builds a community rather than competition. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this guy, Val, Terry keeps asking Yeah, we questions. have a lot of, stuff going on i'm trying to like pick out oh another yeah. <laughs> no worries no worries. i have um, my laptop for me so i can't see it <laughs> you're fine, you're fine. <laughs> cool um colin hope that helped mm-hmm. oh yeah that was, that was perfect. okay i mean he's right here colin was that was that insightful for you <laughs> oh we got we got we got something in the twitch yeah we got something in twitch i am a new follower and i think this is amazing how do you determine pricing Go for it, Luis. How do we determine pricing? Oh. So this is a I don't think I actually don't think that free logic is like the absolute best example of this, just because at least Val says value. Val says value. <laughs> yeah, Val says value. And okay, so yes, I agree with hundred percent. And that touches on what I was gonna say right now. Um we our our core or the nugget that exists in the middle of uh free logic and, and the brew is this mentality of, we, we say it plenty of times, but like leveling the playing field for everybody, for every business. Um, it's it's this thing of like, we don't care if you're a small mom and pop shop, a startup, or if you're this massive company with that worth millions of dollars. Um, we can bring value to you and the price that we charge oftentimes reflects where you're at, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, that means that this is kind of on a shifting scale. Um, meaning, obviously, that doesn't mean that someone who's paying ten thousand dollars for us is getting the exact same as someone who's paying one thousand dollars for us would would bring. There's obviously, you know, a magnitude of, of some like scales there. You know, so it's like you're not getting ten thousand dollars worth of work from us if you're paying us ten. If you're paying us a thousand, um, you're only going to get what that thousand is. But what that thousand will bring you is something that will bring value to you at the end of the day. Um, it doesn't mean that it's going to be, it's going to be like pointless. It's just like, you have like this, like pro version, you have like the regular version, you have like a light version. You're still going to get the value. You're still going to get the benefits from it. Um, but you're going to get them in a way that line up with where your business is at that point. Meaning that if you're a startup, you're going to get assistance to help your startup. Mm-hmm. Guess what? You did a round of uh, seed funding. You're going through uh, series A now. Cool, you have that now. Guess what? Now we can scale what we did before to a place that's going to take you even higher to make you make the systems that you have in place um, a lot more kind of solidified and make sure that there's a there's not just strategy behind everything you're doing, but there are tactics behind every single strategy. Um, these are kind of the things with determining pricing. Um, there's some pricing that's way easier. Like if you're offering a service, that's pretty cut 
and simple. Like if I'm selling a t-shirt, yeah. unless the t-shirt <laughs> costs me literally 20 bucks to make it, I'm not going to sell it for more than like 50 bucks. You know, like I think yeah. average price for a t-shirt is like 20 to 30 bucks. Like that's kind of your window of, mm-hmm. of what you're selling. Um, with business consulting, that bag is a lot more murky as far as what pricing goes. Um, but it's, it's holistic. And I think that's, I mean, at least for me, um, I think that's important. I think you can speak on this as well. Nikhil was like, you, um, you have to look at every single business as what they are right now. You know, Mm -hmm. like I, if we would have charged Apple in the eighties a lot less than we would charge Apple in 2020, you know? (laughs) Um, and that's just because of where they're at. It's what they can afford. Um, and it's also what we can bring and what we can leverage with the money that's there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That again, and to Val's point in the chat here, that's not to say that we don't have a minimum. Like there is a minimum amount that if someone says, hey, we'll do it for like, someone says, oh, I have a budget of like 500 bucks. We're probably going to be like, oh, sorry, we can't do that. And I was going to say, say a point. I love the value part because the value is extremely important, um, especially what you bring to the table. What I say for, for one Holding, for example, we have services and things like that. What I say, one point, of course, it's how much value you bring to the table, but then also know for a fact that some people may not be able to afford your services, which is totally fine, mm-hmm. right? What I used to do and the mistake that I would do is I'd give discounts to friends. Mm-hmm. Okay, the reason why I'm saying this is it was a mistake was because all my friends would be like, yeah, you know, Jonathan, yeah. only I only can afford $50. And I'm like, I feel so bad. I'm like, oh my gosh, like, okay, sure. But the thing is, your friends should value, like, if you put up a price point and you discount it for everybody, that means you got to discount it for everybody. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, and if your friends value you and they support your business, always know that they should pay full price for it if they really do support you. Yeah. All right. So, um, that's what I had for one Holding. So, that's why we, we always have set prices. But yeah, some people are like, oh my God, it's too expensive. So, that's why we just always refer people to, to others. All right. So, yeah. it's always that kind of continuous cycle to give value. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well said. Thanks for the question and the follow. Um, Rut Mo Jardin. I hope I said that right. Mm-hmm. Um, we got another question in Twitch um, from Narsef. Narsef? Um, I've legit never used LinkedIn. Is it super valuable for a photographer slash videographer slash editor extraordinaire? Oh, good question. Yes, 100%. Uh, number one, I mean, what you can do is you can find people who are trying to, for example, like, have professional photography done for their LinkedIn profiles, you can find them by actually utilizing Sales Navigator, mm. which you can get for a month free. I would actually recommend getting it for a month free, trying it out, filtering specifically people who are looking for photography skills, and then you can get people to do professional photos for, and you can obviously get paid for it. Number two, you can actually scale your business a lot if you post pictures of like really cool things in regards to your business or other businesses. Yeah. Right. I've actually never seen anybody really do that. Uh, That's why I really like free logic. Like if y'all check out the video, if you're on LinkedIn right now, let me know if you've ever seen that quality video for other videos. You probably don't. Right. Like for our videos, for example, for consulting, I use my air, my uh, MacBook air. (laughs) Right. So do you see that quality aspect is important? Um, but yeah, I think it's really good for photographers. And But not only that, you're also able to network with other people in photography. So make a LinkedIn or whoever, whoever that person was, uh, make a LinkedIn, then literally go search photography on the search bar and you can find everybody who's interested in photography. Go reach out to all of them. Maybe they have really cool portfolios and you can collaborate 
or you can reach out to them and ask them how they were able to scale their business on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well said. I think we've always or often said that we wish we could see more creatives on LinkedIn. There's actually, yes. I'm blanking on her name right now, but there's somebody who's very popular on LinkedIn. She does, I think, painting or something similar with like huge canvases. And her artwork is so good. Like, it's so good. I'm sure, very confident that she's getting uh, sales and leads just through From the that. content that she's posting on LinkedIn. Just the same way that you would post your content on like Instagram and stuff. You can post it the same way on LinkedIn, just like maybe frame it a little bit differently so it's a little more professional and business-like um, so that it can help you generate some sales and stuff. Um, I wish I could remember her name because I would refer like everyone to check that out right now because it's really, really good. Yeah. I was going to say too, if you're a photographer as well, you can get interns from LinkedIn mm -hmm. and everybody is looking for internships right now. Yeah. Like, let's say that you are trying to go find people for your photography business. Just go hire an intern, make him a sales intern, and then have the intern go look for the photographers. Yeah. People who need photography. And then you just pay him a commission. <laughs> yeah. LinkedIn strategy 101. <laughs> <laughs> You're creative too. Do you have any input on that? Uh, do I have input on, on creative stuff? Um, no, I mean, I think I was pretty quiet because like, I agreed 100% with what you're saying, especially you, like there's no creatives on LinkedIn, really. Well, they're there, but they're very few and far between. Very low key. Mm -hmm. Very yeah. low key. And I think it's one of those things to where like, um, you want to see uh, as diverse of a social platform as you can get. And I think that's like one of the missing pieces from LinkedIn is like having people who are simply there for the sake of showing off their art and having that in and of itself be a way to get sales for them. Yeah. Um, it's, it's just not there. Like really good, high quality photography and stuff like that. It's just not on LinkedIn. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like there's always going to be haters who say that this isn't Instagram, but like I kind of want to see more of it. There's you know, stories for, on LinkedIn yeah. now. So I, I argue to say, <laughs> let's, not, <laughs> let's not talk about my that My favorite, yet. my favorite. <laughs> yeah. I mean, LinkedIn stories is another thing, but I think, I think it would just be much nicer and more, it yeah, would it, make LinkedIn more colorful. It, it would be like, all you see on LinkedIn right now is like, Text, text, text. Yes. Picture of somebody's headshot that just got accepted for a job at like picture a Fortune of a, One picture company. Picture of a logo. Yeah, uh, that has nothing to do with the post. The picture of the thing <laughs> that says like, "Check out what LinkedIn just did." Double tap the circle to find out, oh. and it's just like, <laughs> and oh, it's no. like, and it's, it's like, 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 love, celebrate if you're one of these. I'm like, oh, no. yeah, and it's like, look, that's all fine and dandy, cool. Yeah, Andrew, right? <laughs> that's oh, all fine and dandy. God. That's cool and all. But wouldn't it be nice if like you saw that and then all of a sudden, bam, you got hit with really good photography. Yeah. Like just a nice picture that is just something just like whether it's a picture of a business, like it's really high quality um, or it's just a, literally just a, a picture of photography, you know, mm -hmm. like imagine you go like if you're a photographer and you do that, like I think it's that would be incredible. But I also think why they don't post is because they don't see it from other people. Yeah, because like you said before, all of it is just text, people announcing their jobs, people giving insight like myself or whatever. And they're probably maybe intimidated and like, well, where are all the other creatives. Yeah. But if you're a creative out there on LinkedIn, just do it. If you get five likes on a post, so what? Keep going. Keep going. Yeah. Right? Like Gary Vee says, you should be posting every day. Mm -hmm. I listen to Gary Vee all the time. He's always like, yeah, post every day. There's no risk in you posting. The only benefit that you get out of it is people seeing the content and people following you. Yeah. And maybe that could turn into a, a customer or client. Yeah. And, and to this point as well, something that I think would be really fruitful on LinkedIn is um, event and wedding photographers. Like those two in particular would kill. Like if you if you really leveraged it in a smart way, um, 
I mean, pe- people on LinkedIn, those are working professionals who mm-hmm. theoretically are target demographic for wedding photographers or event photographers, um, these boutique kind of things, because I mean, you would hope that these people are probably going to get married at some point. And if you're the, sure. if you're the source page for like really stylish wedding photography on LinkedIn, people are more than likely going to go to you, especially if they look up for whatever reason, they look up wedding photographer on LinkedIn right. and you pop up first. Mm-hmm. That's true. Well, whoever that person is, uh, reach out to us on a uh, LinkedIn. We can maybe help you strategize. <laughs> yeah. Go to uh, one salting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so Narsef, you don't have a LinkedIn, definitely create one. Um, reach out to us. Uh, somebody, if somebody could put our like names in the chat, like our first names and last names, feel free to add all of us. Slide in the DMs. Can you put our LinkedIn? And or or at least our names in the search stuff, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, yeah. And yeah, hit him up. He'll um, give you some really good some advice pointers, for sure. Some pointers. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> you got to introduce yourself to uh, Jonathan as Narsif though. <laughs> also, he'll know. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. From Twitch. From Twitch. Twitch. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's see here. I think we have a couple other questions. So Val asked, what are you guys two cents on someone who is in a mind battle to go in all in with their startup? First thing I want to say is don't internalize anything. Um, talk to people. Write yes. stuff down. Um it's very, I mean, depending on who you are, it can be very easy to internalize anything and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I will fully admit that I do that. Um, but yeah, I just talking to the people who are closest to you and just speak your mind and get other perspectives, you know, and mm-hmm. kind of just like weigh the pros and cons. And um, I think eventually after just talking, writing and taking some time to think about it, an answer will come. Mm-hmm. But yeah. you have to be patient. Um, you know, nothing good in life comes quickly. Yeah, very true. Um, and true. yeah, patience, patience is key for a lot of stuff. Yeah, and I'll just talk to people who've already done it. Right? Talk to people like us. Mm-hmm. Right? Talk to people who are in your field that took that leap and ask them what are some of the challenges that you faced when you were trying to go full time? What are some of the pros and cons? Because then you see what they went through and then you get their advice on it. And then you think to yourself, maybe I can do this too. Mm-hmm. So I totally agree with you and kill. Yeah. And uh, me and Val, I forget it. Was it last week? That we, it was just entrepreneurship that we talked about. I think it was. I think it was last week. Mm-hmm. It was just me and Val and myself. Um, if, if you want to get, well, he's not here, but if you want to get his insight and my insight a little bit deeper on uh, making that leap uh, into being an entrepreneur, um, go watch that episode. It's on YouTube. It's on Twitch as VOD. Um, it, that is an hour long conversation of why you should be doing more entrepreneur ventures in your life. It's also on the brew.tv. It's also brew. on the brew.tv. <laughs> there you go, baby. Shameless plug. Um, it's also on the brew.tv. Make sure to check that out. Subscribe to the newsletter. Thank you. Um, yeah. So, so one thing that I brought up a lot was this idea of like fear journaling you know, of writing down everything that you are terrified of, all the outcome, uh, all the outcomes that you're really scared of. Um, okay, you're gonna leave your job. Fear number one, I'm not making as much money. I don't have that safety net. I, you know, go down the list, put those fears down, do it in the morning uh, with your cup of coffee, close your journal, um, go live out your day, go do your thing, meditate, uh, and then go back to it and look at it and actually look at it objectively. Like, are these fears valid? Or, or are you just really, really projecting and putting so much of your own anxieties into, into this list that you wrote down that that's what's stopping you? Not necessarily these things aren't like going to murder you. 
It's more so your anxiety and the idea of these things that are now written down um, is what is scaring most people away. And I think that by looking at your fears on a piece of paper, um, it helps externalize it. And it's not just inside anymore. It's not you're looking at it and going like, well, actually, no, like that's actually fine. Like that's not as big of a worry as I thought it was originally. Mm. Um, and on top of that, the biggest point that, that I think we made throughout that podcast um, that is, by the way, on brew.tv. Um, the biggest point we made on that podcast was, it's especially people our age, you're young. Uh-huh. You, there's no, if it, if it goes all bad, then just go go get a job then. Like, then you tried at least. You're, you already did more than 90% of people can say. Mm-hmm. You know, you attempted it. Maybe it wasn't as successful as you thought it was going to be. You could always just go land a job somewhere else. It's true. It's true. Mm-hmm. Hashtag facts, put in the chat. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Um, okay, I think we got one more. Um, Nicole and asked, what role does your community play in the development of a business idea? Any tools I can leverage outside of traditional social channels in my community? Mm. Interesting. Community plays a huge role because your community is the one that's going to be, of course, like I said before, supporting you. But they're all, they're going to be ones that motivate you and push you to do your best. But they're the ones who are going to be giving you feedback in regards to what you should do next. So whenever we're doing like events, for example, we always ask our community, hey, like what, what topics are you specifically interested in? And then they give us their insight. What happens is their voice is heard. They feel like their voice is being heard. Mm -hmm. That's how you build community, have their voice heard, have these little sessions in regards to maybe struggles that they're facing. Like we have every two weeks, we have discussion circles, which one of our PMs leads. And they just discuss in regards to the struggles that they're going through and how they can all overcome it together. So I think that part is important. What we did was recently built out a Discord. I would totally recommend using Discord. It's kind of gets hectic in there, but I mean, <laughs> I've heard. Uh, yeah, we made it. And we had 1,500 people join in a, a day which was crazy. And our, our PM was like, oh my gosh, because everyone was getting notified of everything. So um, make a Discord because you're able to communicate with people more efficiently on there. Also make groups. I know they said don't use social media, but I mean, you can make a Facebook group, you can make a LinkedIn group. Well, actually I avoid LinkedIn group. LinkedIn group's kind of crap. Uh, sorry, LinkedIn. Uh, <laughs> but maybe like a Facebook group or something like that where you can communicate with everybody on there and you can just have like a cadence of when to post mm-hmm. specific things. So I think those those are important for community building. Yeah, um, I have a, so <laughs> the question from my dad. I've oh, actually, nice. I've actually talked to my dad about you quite a bit. Nice, hello, um, uh, hello to Kill's dad. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he said um, that, <laughs> he said, I talk a, a lot about you and I can now see why. Great tips, anything different you recommend for executive level for networking on LinkedIn. So executive level networking on LinkedIn. Oh, so I always say it depends on what your goal is. So for example, if you're just trying to network with other executives, what I'd say is you can network with honestly anybody and how you do it is you just, I'm just saying it's so simple because it is very simple. All you gotta do is on the search bar, you just type in whatever the company is and then you type in executive, for example. So what I used to do is how I got some big name speakers for my events is I literally type in Facebook executive or Facebook SVP. I go search them. I go find them on LinkedIn. I'd send them a personalized invite. 
after I read their profile for 30 seconds in regards to their story or something that stood out and I'd mentioned it in the personal invite. So what I would do if I were dead and I'm assuming the goal is to reach out to other executives and network with them, I just send them a personalized invite that would say, hey, I'll just say, hey, Colin, hope you're well. My name is blah, blah, say Nikhil. I'm an executive here at whatever Deloitte. I saw that you're also a fellow executive at whatever company. Uh, it would be great to connect uh, connect with a fellow executive, whatever, right? Because you instill in their mind that you both are executives in that personal invite and they'll most likely connect back with you, mm -hmm. right? I realized though a lot of executives on LinkedIn don't run their accounts, their virtual assistants do. Mm. Right, so that's why I like kind of like it's just hit or miss for some of them. Yeah, but I think it's really awesome to just network with people on there. Another thing as well, you can also filter it specifically for your industry, so it doesn't have to be a specific company. For example, it could be executive computer software, and you can see all the people in computer software who are executives. Hmm. And last but not least, just always just send a personalized invite and just network and ask, because the worst thing that can happen is they just don't add you back. The best thing that can happen is you're able to establish a relationship, mm -hmm. which could potentially lead to you creating a mastermind yeah. or something like that. Yeah. And you're able to learn more about your own business and about that other person. Well said, well said. So Jonathan also has advice for executives too. There you go. This executives. is the man. Executives, right? <laughs> cool. Um, I don't think we have any more questions in the chat. So I think now would be a great time to transition into the final segment of every show that we have now. And that's where we have every guest share their failure story and the outcome of it. And this will be on our new website. We have a whole section of fantastic failure stories and very motivating, inspiring ones. And I'm sure Jonathan's will be the same. So with that, four is yours. Yeah, first off is great being on here again. Hoping nobody's tired of me. Um, yeah, I mean, my failure story, and I love talking about failure stories because this is what one soul thing is all about, the rejection, uh, rejections in life. But yeah, I still remember when I was in college at UCR, I was applying to all these different roles and I was never getting responses back from any of these companies. But I thought I would get responses back from them because, well, I thought they read all the applications, but in fact, they never did. Your resume really does go into, as they say, a black hole because I described to you in regards to the referrals, uh, the, the, the applications, the referrals, and the hiring managers. So I always thought I was a failure because I was never able to work in those big name companies at first, interning there. Like I interned at Coles and Sharon Williams, which was cool, right? But the thing was, I always wanted to strive for more, but I felt like I could never get there because of my background, mm -hmm. which was, as they say, non-target, non-traditional background, right? Being first-gen, et cetera. But the mindset, I always stress mindset, is important. Instead of looking at rejection as rejection, you look at rejection as redirection, as long as you react to it in the right way. So when I was getting rejected from these companies, I was like, I'm not good enough. But then it's not a person rejecting you, and it's not a company rejecting you. If you think about it, you're just going through an ATS system and it's not, it's nobody is actually looking at your resume, for example, right? So I changed that mindset, started networking on LinkedIn. I didn't care if people didn't respond to me. I reached out to about a hundred people per week. Wow. Right? It was actually insane. People from UCR alumni, um, people in tech companies, and I didn't care if they didn't respond, but I realized that one person will respond out of 100 and that one person is, matters because you only need one yes in life, whether it's in regards to your career, 
etc. If you have one person who believes in you, that one person can make the difference, especially with you getting into your career. And that's what I've had throughout my whole entire life. Like at Snapchat, that one recruiter took a chance on me and I crushed my interview. At Google, when I uh, our team got outsourced at Snap, my manager was the one person who believed in me, reached out to me and got me for Google. Same thing for Cisco. The hiring manager believed in me because he saw my LinkedIn profile, brought me onto the team. So for people out there who are experiencing failure, just know that failure is temporarily temporary and failure is not the end, but the beginning. And there's no such thing as you ending on failure because if you keep on working hard, you'll never fail because you'll eventually reach that goal to wherever you want to achieve and you'll get there at the end of the day. So that's what I suggest to everybody who's going through failure, as they say. Last but not least, success. Success is detriment on what you perceive it as. You could be successful working at, of course, a big name company. You could be successful working at a startup. You could be successful working at a retail store. Whatever you feel like success is, do not base your success based off what society deems it as, but as what you deem it as your own. So that's what I suggest to people, especially in their careers in life. Well said. Thank yeah. you for sharing that. Very I well think, said, man. Yeah, it's failure is a mindset game. It, like, oh, yeah. It's you yeah. can choose to get bogged down by it or you can reframe it in your mind as um, like a key to continued growth. Right. Like it, it feels generally feels pretty bad when it happens. But and like you were saying earlier, it's like you felt sad when you were well, that wasn't necessarily a failure in a sense, but it's like it's very easy to feel sad uh, and upset when like something goes wrong. Right. And it's yeah. OK. In my mind, I think it's OK to dwell on it for a day or a couple of days. But as as long as um, as long as you let yourself reflect back and, you know, teach yourself or like learn from what went wrong and mm. um, and, and then use those learnings to tackle the problem again the next time and yeah so it's like it's like one step backward three steps forward kind of thing yeah and i was gonna say too yeah when you when you fail just know that's gonna make a good story whether it's for your friends or your kids later on it's gonna mm -hmm. make a good story because you're gonna be like imagine you being like like satya nadella right yeah imagine mm -hmm. you failed in the beginning now he tells his kids yeah i'm the ceo <laughs> so, right you know yeah. what i mean yeah so Every failure makes an amazing story. Mm -hmm. That's why I have so many stories on LinkedIn because people are like, Jonathan, do you ever get, you never, you know, you always have new stories. It's yeah. because it's been through all these circumstances. Honestly, write them down. Write them down if you've if you if you've been rejected or, fa or failed. Write it down, all the different ones, because then when you see that one yes, you're gonna be like, dang, I went through all of this. That's crazy. Yeah. And I've seen like people that do like Excel sheets and those are pretty bonkers. Like when you look at like yeah. all of the red that is rejection, rejection that one companies. little peg of uh, green that is the one the one company that actually took a shot on them. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, I think everybody who is successful has a story of failure. And mm. I, I, I appreciate you coming on here and, and telling us yours. It, it was super insightful and it, it's, it, it's important. It's important to hear failure stories and it's important to not just be bogged down by all this like success just constantly smacking you in the face just know mm -hmm. that like you're sitting here in front of us very successful but not that you were a failure at some point everybody was a failure at some point totally agree and if you fail post it on linkedin maybe you got rejected from a company post on linkedin you never know if another company will see that and be like dang 
is pursuing me the fun around a Microsoft that didn't get it. Let me go get them for Cisco. Mm-hmm. You know? Exactly. Last but not least, if you're listening to this podcast, definitely make a LinkedIn post about your takeaways from, from this. this episode. Yeah, I always talk yeah. about that at the end. <laughs> yeah. And tag us in it too. Right. Tag us in it too. Exactly. Tag us in it. Awesome. Well, hey, thanks so much. I think this was an amazing episode. Um, yeah, it was fun. But those mm-hmm. of you who are tuned in, don't leave yet. Um, so two things. The big one first. Go for it. Um, I know I, I jokingly have been dropping it every so often in the chat, but um, please, please, please go check out uh, the brew.tv. Um, subscribe, uh, subscribe to our newsletter. Um, we're developing that right now. We're going to have that thing go out. We're, we haven't set on a schedule soon. yet, but it's going to go. Well, the first one's going to go out very soon. Um, but the reoccurrence of it, we're still kind of fi- fine tuning how often it's going to be going out, but we will have a newsletter. Uh, it's going to be covering basically all of the things that we do internally in the company. Um, all of the stories that are being told, whether that's failure stories, um, or the thing or actual like insight from us. So we actually are writing our own content, um, breaking down big, uh, big trends in everything. I mean, whether that's tech, business, entrepreneurship or finance, like we're breaking down all these kind of things. Um, yeah, we're, we're excited about it. We're excited about the newsletter. We're excited about the platform. Um, and we're excited about all the stuff in the works for 2020 still. Yeah. So, um, definitely check it out. Don't leave yet. We're going to transition over to our over under segment, have about five minute break. So in those five minutes, feel free to check out the platform, sign up for the newsletter and let us know what you think. Um, I, I designed the website, so I'd love to know, um, what your thoughts are on the design, um, what you'd like to see in the future. And we'll be sure to take that into account and continue developing it. Like I said, we're really excited about this and, um, looking forward to, make it even better so thanks for tuning in we'll see you in five minutes or so or so or so yeah (laughs) thank you for tuning into the brew i hope you enjoyed this episode and tell us what you thought about our conversation in the comments below if you guys like our content make sure to follow us on our various social media platforms and we will see you all next time